Hey, what's up, everyone? It's your host, Sylvie Dewey from the Secrets from the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast. And, geesh, can you imagine? January is almost over and February is here. I have this sinking feeling that this year is absolutely going to fly by based on what's gone on already. Do you feel the same or what? So... This is pretty exciting leading into February, which is going to lead into our big celebration for our 200th episode, which is going to be on March 11th. I'm so excited. I cannot believe it. But here's the thing. We have decided or I have decided to. There's no we here, actually. I have decided to giveaways every week. So we're going to be giving away a prize to a lucky listener on Friday. And what I've done is I've actually partnered with some of my guests that have been on the podcast who have either physical products or um, sell other wholesale products on their store. And we've collaborated and we're going to be doing a little exchange just to get more of you guys actually looking at them and just giving out some really cool cycling gear. So I hope you're super excited about that because I am. Um, So here's the thing. This is how you can win. First, you need to go stop and go to Apple podcast and write a review. So that's number one. Number two, while you're there, leave a five star rating and then follow the podcast on social media on um, Instagram but here's a thing when you go to write your review please put down your Instagram handle because I did challenges before where I was giving away prizes for reviews and some people put these names down that I could never find them anywhere so if you want to be found for a giveaway then please make sure you write your Instagram handle as part of your review. Thank you. So then I can find you. Now, that being said, I have two grand prizes that are going to happen on the 20th episode day. Now, the first one is going to be given out to one of the winners of our weekly draws. The next one, I'm going to go into everybody who's put in their reviews. And I want to thank you in advance. And I'm going to pull a winner from there. And so that's how it's going to work. So make sure you follow the podcast because I'm going to be talking about this a lot. And that's where I'm going to put all the posting for the winners. Next, remember, a review and rating. You have to be have all three of those things done to be um, recognized for the draw. So with that, I hope you have an amazing day. And I just want to give you a little heads up. If you went in and got some of my free downloads before, I put a new cycling snacks um, PDF in there to try for some different things for your training and your riding. So with that, have an amazing day. You be amazing. And I'll see you in the podcast. Enjoy the next episode. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. 
I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. All right, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Daou. And we are so excited. Now, this is the second year. Um, it's the winter uh, of the podcast. And I have come across more women, and we're going to be doing more interviews of women who participated in the Tour de France Féminin in 1984 to 88. So that was when the Tour de France brought and allowed women to cycle and race at like at the same time, not the same time, but have their own race. And so what's so significant about that is that this year, the Tour de France has brought women back to race. So this year is going to be a super exciting year and I'm so like I'm gonna say excited again but I am really glad to have this lady uh Nan Deerfall um just a second I'm gonna get it <laughs> Deerdorf McLean Nan Deerdorf McLean and she's sitting in the Netherlands right now now her background she was one of the women who raced in the Tour de France Fumine back in 84. And we're going to ask her about that. But she also has an amazing business in tiling. And it's not just tiling, like you say, like mosaicing. And we're going to get in. For me, it's one of, one of the things that I really like to do <laughs> as a pastime when I have time. But I am so excited. Thank you, Nan, for being a guest here. I, I can't wait to hear all about you. It's a pleasure to be Welcome. here. <laughs> I don't. So, um, so for our listeners, let's get into how you got into cycling back when you were a kid. Like, right. let's just go to the beginning and then we're going to talk all about all sorts of other things. Sure, Sylvie. Um, super to be here. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Uh, I've enjoyed listening to it for a while. And uh, yeah, uh, my introduction to bike racing happened in, in Colorado. I lived in Littleton, Colorado, and uh, which, is, which is about an hour away from Boulder, um, close to Denver. And there was a Saturday afternoon where bike racers were whizzing by my house and just, just like these packs of bikes. And I was, I was just immediately drawn to it and I was watching it and just pretty much fell in love with the sport right there and then. Um, I, I thought it was just so amazing, like the 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 machinery, the the bicycles themselves were were just amazing and lightweight, and there were you know all these men with shaved legs and <laughs> <lots> of... <laughs> that would draw attention, right? Yeah. <laughs> lots of 
uh, VW camper vans. Um, you know, so it, it felt like this kind of cool hippy dippy uh, scene at that time. This was in 1982. So how old were you at that time? I was 18. Oh, okay, 18. In 1982, well, I'm like, yeah, I think, yeah, I was like 12. I'm an old lady. I'm an old lady. <laughs> you're not an old lady. <laughs> so you're but, 18 and you're like, this is super fascinating. So how did yes. you, did you, then, how did you get into it? Did you stop like some guys say, hey? Well, <laughs> I actually ran into two guys from my high school that I had no idea raced. And then oh. I started talking with them and picking their brains. And, and then next thing I knew, I was, I, I was like, I have to get a bike. I have to start riding. <laughs> And I asked my dad to buy me my first bike and it was $385 and his eyes just about popped out of his head. It was just, you know, a bike that would be good enough that I could probably keep up in a, in a citizen's race, you know? And, uh, anyway, I, so I got for Christmas, my dad bought me this Motobacan Jubilee sport. I remember it so well, gunmetal gray. Um, and, and I started riding it like crazy. <laughs> I switched out some of the components to, to bring it a little bit, uh, make it a little lighter, but, um, I started going on rides and just learning so much. It was just every, every, every ride, I would just learn a ton of new things about how to ride efficiently and how the drafting worked and this and that about racing and yeah it just it it was an obsession to the point where when it came time to decide where to go to college uh, I knew right away I wanted to go to Boulder because that was cycling mecca at in you know in the U.S. one of the one of the hot spots for cycling and that was because we had the Coors Classic um, a big international stage race it started as the the Red Zinger Bicycle Classic. And uh, it was my dream to someday get to ride in that. Um, now, were yeah. you, was there other women out there riding at the same time as you? Sure, you yes, yes. Okay. It was mainly when I moved to Boulder to start school that I started meeting, I think on my first ride, I spotted Connie Carpenter. <laughs> and I was just like, I am in the right place. This is, this is where I am meant to be. You know, like I just saw Connie Carpenter out on a ride. She's <laughs> <laughs> so, so, like, hey, Connie. <laughs> was she a coach or was she one of uh, the teammates? She was racing at that time. Yeah, she was, okay. she was like the goddess of cycling, you know, especially in Boulder. But um, yeah, it, uh, internationally, she was... Uh, racing i think mainly in america i don't know if she raced much in europe but um yeah i only got to race with connie for i think a year or two before she retired so so what happened like within university was that did they have yeah. a university team and and how did you move through that to get to europe like did yeah, you, so and you race for for the u.s we didn't have uh, a university team at that time. There oh, were okay. just lots of uh, local teams. Some of them participated in the Coors Classic 
And uh, I managed to get on a team, uh, got uh, equipment, sponsorship. Actually, it wasn't until my second year that I actually was getting like a bike and and uh, free jerseys and, and, and gear like that, that I needed. Um, but uh, yeah, just started, I got a license, started racing and did, did very well locally. So that was really encouraging. And um, I got to attend some, some training camps at the Olympic Training Center, which also was really a great experience. Well, they called it the microbe exchange because everyone would get sick there, but uh, ah. and survive. <laughs> nothing like right now, right? <laughs> right. No, no, nothing, nothing that the now. microbe exchange. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it was really, uh, I think, let's see, I raced about eight years and uh, it was in. 1986 that I started to get invited to some bigger events like the Orida Women's Challenge and the Coors Classic and Tour of Texas was the big spring uh, national prestige race that uh, that we all uh, tried to go to. Um, let's see, then the uh, the, the trip to, to, the, to the Tour de France was, I was just kind of like in the right place at the right time uh, because, you know, my, I was kind of um, in, in, in the best races, um, in the most, you know, the elite prestigious races, I was a bit of pack filler. You know, I never really was, I think I was on the podium once. Uh, I, I was kind of the, the worst of the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, hey, come on. Well, I, you know, I, I, I did very well locally. I did, you know, mm -hmm. with all the, the mountainous uh, uh, stage races and stuff, I, I did quite well. But then, you know, in the international uh, yeah. arena, it's just, it's a, it's a big jump. Yeah, it's so, a, it's a, it's a different ball game there, exactly. right? Like, exactly. you're just like, you start looking around, start riding. You're like, mm, I'm with the big girls now. <laughs> oh, oh, I'll never forget my first Coors Classic, my first race in the Coors Classic. Uh, I was punched by Jeannie Longo. <laughs> what do you mean punched? Like elbow? Yeah. yeah, like like she smacked me <laughs> because she wanted <laughs> to get she wanted to get around me, ah. and, she, and I wasn't. It wasn't really my job to to give her, her go by yeah I just kept riding you know it's her it's her job to to get around like to get where she to needs to go and, <laughs> and because I didn't because I didn't go out of my way to let her by she when she did get by I, I got a smack on the arm <laughs> so that was like oh okay <laughs> this is this is international racing this is quite intense yeah, aggressive, I would say. <laughs> You'd be well, like, that particular mm. rider, that particular like, rider. Yeah, yeah. Go find another route, honey, because I'm not moving. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, it's going to be would, like this, I eh? Would, <laughs> yeah. uh, I would later get to be her teammate um, in another <laughs> composite race because her French team was was not interested in working for her. 
Oh, so I, I wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> but Personality that, that message. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, that was an interesting, uh, that was in the tour of Texas, actually, and that was a, a quite an interesting uh, experience. <laughs> and, and, and did it work out well with her? Did she? Well, like, yeah, let's see. Let's hear about it. Come on, man. You want to hear? Okay, well. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's hear about it. It was, it was very, uh, it was very funny because I was the most laid back person on the team. So they said, Nan's going to room with Jeannie. Oh, and oh, fuck. I'll You're tell late. you what, I show up at, in the hotel room. Jeannie uh, is already there. She's uh -huh. stretched out on this. We have one king size bed and she's stretched out on that bed. And she said, as I walk in, she says, hello, I've ordered you a cot. So, in other like, words, this we are not sharing this bed. I am not sharing this bed with you. You will, uh, you will be sleeping uh, on a little fold-out cot. And uh, they brought the cot up, and I didn't use it. <laughs> like beside the bed. We what's that? You did you did you tell her that you were going to share the bed with her? You were like, <laughs> yeah. I basically just claimed my space. <laughs> Oh, that's so smart. I was like, no, uh, no, no, it was, pie. <laughs> it was interesting. It was interesting. But anyway, back to how did I end up going to the Tour de France? Um, the uh, being in the right place at the right time because, yeah. uh, to basically, we were having world trials, um, and they were in Idaho at the Orida Women's Challenge, another fantastic race. Is that still um, happening? I don't think so. I don't think oh, so. Sorry. I think that did stop, but mm. um, it was it was just for women, and it was mm. you know, good prize money, and just uh, I think one of the races I didn't do it that year. It might have been because I was in France, but I think it had something like twenty stages. It was it was in, really impressive. But so that was going to be where the world team was was going to be chosen, and I was I was a, a world team doubtful, um, and I was I happened to be on the winning Peugeot team, which had been sending uh, through Mike Frazee. It was Mike Frazee's team, and he. Sent... I know Mike Frazee. Okay. Yeah, I've he... been to his place a couple he's times. Amazing. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's oh him and his wife Pat like. Oh, yeah, they're he, great. He melts my heart like that guy. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's yeah. amazing. Oh my God. So, you oh, geez. What a small world. Yeah. So, so he sent uh, a team of, I think we were six riders uh, to do the Tour de France Feminin. And it was, uh, I, I will say that we were, we were all kind of B string riders. We, we were, we were not uh, going to get, get on the world's team. So it was a little bit sad that we weren't sending our best riders to this amazing race in France. It, it was, uh, we were racing along, uh, side the men in, in, uh, in terms of doing an abbreviated version of the same course in my, uh, the year I did it, there were 15 stages and a prologue. Mm 
and uh is that for was, everyone or for just the women uh, i think the men did more more stages so like they did the 21 days and you guys did 15 yeah okay. or was it 18 i can't remember now i'd have to look Bill, that's, an, uh, that's a large number it was a it was yeah it felt like we were there for a year you know <laughs> <laughs> like, this is what it really feels like yeah, <laughs> a year of my life slows down. <laughs> gone <laughs> Um, but, but it was, uh, really wonderful because the crowds that we had were the same crowds that the men had because did, we were, did Mike get you there? Like yeah. get you he, and the he team flew there? Us there? Yeah. He, we had sponsorship to, uh, the whole, the whole trip when I did it was paid for. Unlike poor Marianne Martin, who went into debt to do the Tour de France and win the Tour de France. Uh, at least we were uh, sponsored and, and didn't have to incur any expenses. Did you have to qualify to get there as well? Like through that other, so that world, that, that qualifier you were talking about was just to pick the team for the US, right? Or Yeah, that was to pick yeah. the US team for the world championships. But Mike sent, got you guys in. Right. Oh. He, he had uh, some kind he's of got connection. I mean, he's been yeah. around a long, like internationally. Right. I'm going to phone him up and go yeah. say, hey, I've talked to Nan. We need to get you on this podcast. <laughs> but I would ask him, but I know he's so busy, but okay. Tell, okay. So he got you guys there. So it yeah. was just one year. That you guys um, raised? I only I only did it one year, but I believe um, that Mike Mike Frazy was uh, sending a team. If I'm not mistaken, that he sent a team every year. There wow. were five of them, five in years in a row that it ran. Yeah. Ah, and cool. I think the last year, the year that Inga did it, they were sending the top Americans. So that was, that was, uh, you know, wonderful that they actually, those America's best riders got to, to experience the Tour de France. Cause I tell you, I came back to the U S. Well, tell me I about thought, your experience first before coming back. Oh, okay. How, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like how did that work? Like how were you, were you, uh, did you have your hotels and like, was it all like very fancy as it is now or. I don't think guys... it was, I wouldn't call it super fancy. Uh, some of the places we stayed were, yeah, not, not super <laughs> fancy. Thanks. We got a bed. That's good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shower maybe. Um, right. Uh, yeah, they, they, I'm sure because the, the men's race was going at the same time that in mm -hmm. some of these towns, it was hard to find enough oh. uh, lodging for, we, we had a field of, I think, 85 riders. Oh, wow. Like for women? Grade. Just for the oh, women. Oh, wow. Grade. Yeah. That's so big. It, was, it was really good. Um, there were two French teams. Um, and we had our uh, American team. And I believe we were six riders. Um, Do you still had... feel like some of those race adrenalines like that you felt when, when you race that? specific race i'll tell is, you is that still like because i know there's certain races that i will never forget you mean when you think back on them yeah 
like yeah yes absolutely i just remember the first climb that we did the first serious climb and if, if this was in the pyrenees and they the you just saw this road snaking up and it literally <laughs> went up into the clouds and you know that's just <laughs> not the way the roads work in like, america <laughs> <laughs> We didn't come here early enough to train. Oh my God. <laughs> right. Well, I was lucky that I lived in Colorado and I, and mm -hmm. I, you know, could train at altitude and, uh, you know, none of the, the, the mountains that we did, even though they were lots of uh, meters of climbing, they, they weren't as high as what I was used to. So that was, that was nice. But I tell you, I made the most silly mistake before I left for the tour. I changed my shoes never do that i changed my shoes like changing your saddle <laughs> uh, one cleat was just slightly off <gasps> and by the middle of the race every every pedal stroke was searing pain in my knee oh terrible mistake i was like i have to have new shoes for france you know i gotta, gotta look oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, go for the new sandals, not the new bike. Yeah. But luckily, Sylvie, I brought the old ones with me. Oh my gosh. So, so I switched them and, and by the end of the race I was I was doing much better. But it was a survival race for me. I really was just so happy to finish it. Yeah. I can imagine, especially going through that, because that's just one of the things that uh, we always talk about. Eh? It's like never battle through knee pain like piercing uh -uh. knee is bad <laughs> really it's bad it's amazing how a small little yeah. difference will will just become magnified oh yeah especially with the magnitude of cycling you're doing in such a condensed yeah. time exactly. yeah. yeah yeah so you made it through yes, and so what I was your overall thought of like that whole experience well, yeah, it was just, it was just like coming from America where cycling, it was popular in Boulder, but it wasn't, it wasn't popular in the rest of the country, really. I mean, there are little pockets where it is, but um, yeah, it just was like, this is like, this is the place to race. This is, it was hard to come back to racing in like industrial <laughs> parks circuit races right. in industrial parks with like three spectators <laughs> yeah oh i can imagine because uh -huh. yeah the the adrenaline you experience when you're riding up a mountain and you are the and the crowd is parting as you go you know it just there's just no you it, you just have to trust they're going to get out of the way <laughs> yeah i guess you yeah, just, you just can't waver from the line. You're just flying like, through them and they're getting out of the way as you go. No, it's just, it, it's dizzying. So I guess every time you watch the Tour de France every year, you just like, do you get, you must get tingles. Be like, I, I get choked Ooh. up, actually. I get choked up. <clears throat> I've been to watch the Tour de France. I live in the Netherlands, so I'm, you know, it's very easy for me to get over to France and, and watch. Um, I love to go for the mountain stages. My husband and I, we uh, we, we like to climb the the same uh, coals that the the racers do, and then just park ourselves and and watch the whole 
the whole uh, crazy show. Wow. Are you going to be there for this year? Like for the women, for the women, you bet. Yeah. All right. Start to finish. Wait. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, when I watch the men's race, I get choked up because it's like, oh, this used to be for women too. And they, they have this group of women that are riding um, the internationals. We actually ran into them um, in, in uh, France while I think it was the day that we saw them in a restaurant uh, when they had just finished their last stage before the Champs-Élysées. So they were very, very happy. And uh, it, was, it was an honor to get to meet them. But yeah, um, so little mention of the fact that there used to be a women's tour um in, in the in the press and and to me that's like why wouldn't they make a bigger deal of that because it says that it can exist yeah. and they can exist side by side and they mm -hmm. can be relatively equal and come on why why i mean the women the women's field nowadays is so spectacular Mm -hmm. it, it would just make sense. It would be such mm -hmm. a, a, a sponsor wise too. It would make so much sense for there to be a women's tour. So sponsors would be more likely to want to get on board when they know that they're going to have these women's teams uh, getting the same kind of uh, uh, visibility as the men's. Yeah. Well, it's it's shifting now. Yeah, it thanks is. to a lot of women who've been working hard to yes. to uh, work with the UCI and uh, bring it to fruition, and like Miriam yeah. and Catherine and um, uh, Jill, who put that uh, that uh, movie together or that trailer was that documentary that together. Yeah, yeah, she's working on that film, and. Mm -hmm. uh, there are two two films uh, being made uh, oh. about the Tour de France. There's an Australian filmmaker who is okay. also doing a, a film uh, about the women's tour. Um, Ooh, so and, that would be three in total because Catherine Bertine did one. Ah. Um, and that that was a couple years ago. Oh, I didn't know um, about that one. What is it called? Oh, frig. Okay, hold on. I'm going to go search that. So you okay. got Jill's, which is the uh, uphill climb. Yeah. And Catherine's is, it's all, it's out. Uh -huh. um, just let me Google. I want to think. Um, beer. Oh, I think I could spell her name. I know she came out with a book called Stand. Yeah, I just finished reading it. Okay. That is like, you need a year to read that. That is so condensed with details, mm. like fine details from when she started in 2005 to her whole activism right up to um, 2014. Okay. Like when they did bring a woman's race back. Um, uh, what is it? Hold on here. 
the so she has a couple books so the less the road less taken um hold on i will get it here it's funny oh my podcast comes up i interviewed her as well um it'll half the road half the road yeah the passion pitfalls and power of women's uh professional cycling so she uh that was released 2014 okay nice. so you have to google where you can find it i think you have to pay like 14 dollars to see it mm-hmm. um so she interviewed a lot of the you know the pro cyclists and um yeah i haven't seen it it's one of those things that i want to um i just have to find where i can buy it and then go watch it but yeah so she has one jill has one we'll have one um this other person's out. that'll be exciting bring all those out next year, uh-huh. uh, this year to uh, showcase them. So how did you move in from like your career in cycling was around eight years you mentioned? Yes. So what did you end up doing after and how did it lead you to what you're doing now with okay. the tiles? Like it's such hey, a crazy I, adventure. I um, Really? Well, I became uh, very interested in natural health and okay. uh, first specifically massage therapy because I was receiving so much massage and <laughs> and feeling the benefit of it. Yeah. And one of uh, the people that worked on me during my cycling years also uh, was a business major at CU Boulder, which is what I also studied. I, I did marketing there. Okay. And I didn't really want to be in marketing. I was just like, <laughs> I gotta have a major. And uh, I, I wanted to be somewhat practical. But my dad was in business. I'll be, I'll, I'll do, uh, I'll study marketing like he did. Uh, that'll make him real proud. That's very good. <laughs> very good, Nat. <laughs> now so, what I really want to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So then I decided um, to go to massage school in Denver. And there, uh, the 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 te- the, uh, the instructor was something called a naturopathic doctor, and I'd never heard of such a profession. But I started learning about what naturopathic doctors do, and it was just like, yes, I have to study this. So I I I had to kind of go back and do a lot of basic sciences, um, pre med kind of sciences in order to get accepted yeah chemistry i kind of did that too and i'm like oh my god i wish i'd done this in high school (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um i ended up uh becoming a naturopathic doctor my my husband and i we both found programs uh he for his phd in oceanography and and oh. and me for my uh, uh, for my naturopathic medicine in Seattle and okay. and so that just worked out super lucky uh, and then after uh, after we finished um, 
we headed to Peru for a couple of years where my husband had a postdoc and we had our first child there. And, okay, so uh, your husband, was he a cyclist as well? Yes, he was. He was not, <laughs> uh, he, we met through cycling. However, he, he went from category four to category two in one season, in like one half of the season. So he went very quickly to having to compete with all those people that were, well, Olympic caliber men. So that didn't go so well. <laughs> he, he decided, okay, I'm not going to be a pro bike racer. I'm going to uh, go get into academia. So he uh, ended up going to graduate school in Miami. And that's actually where we ended up after the postdoc. Um, Michael got a position at Florida International University. And we, we lived there for nine years before moving to the Netherlands. And there we did not ride bikes because Miami yeah, is Miami, very dangerous place to ride a bike. Everyone I know who rides bikes there either has a story or has had a bad accident, you know, like, or, or Especially on that someone. side of Florida, I find Tampa way more bike friendly. Probably my sister's probably. on that side. Okay. And when we traveled to the other side, it's like bike paths and everybody's like running. And I'm like, did I just pass through a time warp here in Florida? <laughs> you know, just like, what the hell happened over here? Okay. Redneck one side. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, Miami is just like you, if you ride a bike, it's on the sidewalk. Because <laughs> you're, you're going to end up getting hurt. So uh, the bikes, the road bikes got a bit rusty in that uh, Miami humidity. And then uh, when we moved here, uh, we, we live now in Delft, the Netherlands, and it is cycling paradise. Yeah, what brought you to the Netherlands? Uh, Michael's work, actually. He works oh, for a water oh. institute uh, oh. here in Delft. And uh, yeah, we, we moved here and we thought we would, you know, uh, need to, to buy a car and we, we didn't, we ended up like not, not having a car for like 12 years. We recently bought one cause I need it for my, for my mosaic, uh, projects, yeah. but, but now yeah, here you can just live with a bicycle. If you work locally, it makes it super convenient. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a fantastic lifestyle if you if you love cycling the netherlands you have to visit it sometime because it's just the infrastructure is phenomenal how did you get into can you still see me yeah okay um so how did you get into the ceramics well that's a good question my mom who is an artist Okay. Handed me a book one day about mosaic art, um, and I just devoured it. I just thought this looks this looks like something I could do. This looks like, <laughs> this looks yeah. like fun. This looks like fun. <laughs> yeah, it's it's harder than it looks. Oh um, yeah. When you look at these books, it takes more time it, than it looks. <laughs> yeah, and it takes a lot of time indeed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, on my street there was this really. Um, yucky graffitied uh boarded up window 
And uh, I just mentioned to one of my neighbors, wouldn't it be nice to make a nice big mosaic there? It's like 12 square meters of space. And it was an eyesore. And my neighbor was just like, oh, 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 we can make this happen. Would you make, would you, would you uh, want to make a mosaic there? I was like, I think it would be really fun to make one as a community project because yeah, it's like, a big space. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> And Delft is already such a beautiful city. Um, so I was a little nervous about <laughs> putting my, my signature on it somehow. In, right in, away. In, in <laughs> <laughs> what is that? <laughs> exactly. So we came up with this design. And of course, it had to be a bike. It was a, oh. it was a Delft blue bike, like the, the classic Dutch grandma bike, the Oma Feats, they call it. Um, yeah, we, uh, we, I made a big uh, Oma Feats with Delft blue tiles and uh, everyone was invited. It, there was already kind of a festival going on that day and we just set up a table and let people oh. make either a leaf or a square, just an abstract square that we were gonna use to frame the whole picture. Oh, and, so that uh, they get like a little square to make their tiles on, yeah, and then you were going to, exactly. oh, that's a good idea. So they worked on a piece of mesh and then uh, their pieces would then be, we would arrange them so that, so that mm -hmm. we could make something that looked really nice. And they didn't have oh. to work on the wall. It would be hard right. to get enough people there working on the wall. But uh, yeah, my neighbors pitched in to finish it off um, once we, once we figured out the design and, and, and. We had we had a party in the street with with all wow. kinds of volunteers and how long did it take? Um, the whole thing I think it took about two weeks to finish it. Once we had the the contributions of the participants mm -hmm. uh, glued on, and yeah, it was just such a great experience. And after that happened, I started getting requests from schools and from <laughs> other people to to do this project and that project and um pretty soon it just took off and now i have you know my own studio and uh i've been making some some cool things lately the the thing i'm most proud of is a big map that we made of delft using... oh i think i saw that on on um when i was uh, searching you up nice yeah <laughs> it's, it's yeah it's like all the streets and everything yes. yeah we made, it's, it's uh, based on an old map of Delft um, from 1682. And it shows on that original map, all the little houses and windmills, you know, it's a figurative map. And that was such an inspiration. I thought, what if everyone made their own house to put on the map? So we made all these clay houses and we had glazing workshops and people made all kinds of unique, every one of the little houses is unique and people can actually find the one they made. And like that- their is, house. Yeah, they could make like, their house or, or a fantasy house, you know, anything that, a lot of people made little, um, like the little, I don't know if you've seen KLM houses, um, the, the Dutch airline has these little, if you were to Google it, you could see their uh, blue and white, uh, porcelain houses that are three-dimensional and they actually have whiskey in them 
uh, and they give them to people that that fly uh, business class. Oh, so cool! They're a collector's item. You, there, I don't know how many different houses there are, but each one is like uh, modeled after an actual style of Dutch house. Oh, very cool! Yeah. Huh. So that uh, those little houses were also like, oh, I wonder if we could make, you know, KLM size houses uh, and make the map at that scale. So yeah, it, it, it worked out really well. And um, the, the map won a prize uh, for being uh, the, from the historical society here in Delft. They have like a, a prize each year for the uh, best improvement to the, the street <laughs> environment. Um, oh, very cool. So I was honored to get that. And I worked with a ceramic artist. Uh, we collaborated on the project because I had never done um, any kind of a mosaic project using ceramics, but oh my gosh, now I'm hooked and I want to get my own kiln and, and do, more, <laughs> do more maps. I would love to do some more maps. We're talking with some folks in Amsterdam about perhaps a project. They're going to have a 750 year anniversary coming up in a couple of years. So they're already gearing up for that. It'll take us a couple of years to make Amsterdam. So maybe that would be a, an appropriate project. We would just pick a section of Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah, it would have to be just the center. Yeah, because Amsterdam yes. has has grown quite. Big. Wow! So that's that's your full time career now. Is is the yes. ceramics? Yeah, this, oh. uh, the the mosaics with ceramics and um, or the mosaics. Yeah, and and uh, and I'm also back into bike racing as of late oh. on Swift. I never thought that I would be into indoor, <laughs> indoor virtual racing, but I tell you, it is so much fun. There's a lot of really, um, how would I say it, like very intense focus. Yes. Because <laughs> I started racing too this year. Oh, nice. I got myself on a team that's actually UK based. Oh, what is it um, called? Um, Aeonian, Aeonian, Aeonian. Okay, I'll look it yeah. up. A E O, uh huh, N I A N, Aeonian. Okay. So yeah, so my girlfriend, who I used to race with like twenty years ago, she's in Seattle, Washington, and I was watching her, and I'm like, what's she doing over there? And then she's like racing. I'm like, what's all this racing? So I started asking her and she's on this team. So she referred me to the team. And um, we did our first team race last Saturday. Oh, nice. Which, um, yeah, so, <laughs> so it was just like, um, so I wasn't with my teammates at all. So it was one of those. I was just like, bye. It takes at the finish line. <laughs> It takes some time to get control of your avatar. Don't give up. It, it gets easier. I, I can no. I can attest to that. I, I had the same experience. It was like re really, really intense. And yeah. I, I started doing team time trial um, oh. with with this group there. The, the team is called Crush Pod. Oh, and yeah, I thought it. Yeah. Yeah, one of the women that started it won the... Uh, the Ironman back in the 80s, like one of the first 
oh. Ironman triathlons, the one that I think that was held in Hawaii. Anyway, she she won it one year. Now she's in her early sixties and just a, an amazing athlete. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and she put together this team um, along with uh, this really awesome Swedish racer. And uh, yeah, uh, we we have been growing as a team, and and it's just it's so fun because you you get all that same rush and adrenaline and intense uh, workout, um, and you you do it in this great community, and and you can't crash, which <laughs> which I know really was what <laughs> finally was my deal breaker with with cycling because I. I ended up taking a couple of really bad spills and, and I just got, became a little, I have to say I became a little ambivalent about it because it just didn't seem worth the risk. Kind of like getting, trying to get back up on the horse again. It's exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. I know. Yeah. Like some, so I rate, I've raced for eight years. So I've, and, um, and I'm always like, and some of the ladies are like, so what's the difference between online and on the road? I go, uh, <laughs> everything. Yeah. <laughs> I go, besides the intensity, you cannot race like that online or you'll never make it around the corner. <laughs> right. You know, right. Just like, you can't bike over people and through people right. and no. things like that. And like, you have to really think about where you want to put yourself in the group. Mm-hmm. watch the wheels mm-hmm. like all these things and I'm like it is like worlds apart but I am really grateful to have that experience to bring in now I just need those yeah. little tips and tricks like being the yes. first to sign in and get my spot at the front there you go that's little... <laughs> so I was at the back and I'm like that's the worst place to be because I know yeah. that when I race I'm like come on let's go to the front no the like, starts are always me, so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The starts are always really fast. You just, you, you know that it's going to eventually let up, but it's just crazy. Yeah, right. <laughs> so I'm like, what do you mean? There's no lead out? Like, we're not going to warm ourselves up? And <laughs> I just, that was a bit of an eye opener. I'm like, okay, we got to be like zone five, the second the gun goes and yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, and she's like, yeah, it'll let up in 15 minutes. I'm like, uh, it's like 45 and I'm still going <laughs> at full tilt. I'm like, I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of glad I have all that background because now I'm just putting into play. Now, now I got to figure out the drafting. It'll but... help. Yeah, it'll help. You're, you're, you'll, you'll get the hang of it pretty quickly. Um, but it's, yeah, it is so much fun, and you should try some team time trials. Those are, those are really nice. Uh, I think it's Thursday nights, and I'm yeah busy Thursday nights. Oh, are you okay? Some some of the other events have team time trials. I think the the tour of Flamme Rouge, which is coming up, is it does have a team time trial as part of it. And ZRL, that's Tuesday nights. Swift yeah, racing. Doing that. Yeah, that one has some time trials too. So, but, um, so you're keeping yourselves busy with Swift 
with some with your business of ceramic tiles like do you do small stuff do you do small groups like for those who are in the Netherlands who are close to you um okay. or do you just do big projects so you just commission big stuff so mainly uh I do long projects big long <laughs> projects uh with community with with uh with helpers and um, there's, it's wonderful because there is grant money in the Netherlands for that kind of uh, project. Um, but then I also will do um, some private commissions. Right now I'm working on a beautiful mosaic for someone's garden. It's five square meters and it's, uh, it, it's about 80% uh, done right now. I've been working on that for the past three months. Wow, I just finished something for my garden. I think oh. I started like five years ago, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I, it, and it was look. it was like, oh, I've got, I've really got to finish that. And, but it's a, a it's a cement cylinder. Oh, wow. That I cemented uh -huh. and then an orb. I made the orb out of a basketball. Cut it oh, in wow. Half. Oh, cool. Yes. And so, so this is the, the vision to sit on the cylinder in. And so I glassed up the orb. I finally finished it. I'm oh, like, nice. oh my God, I've got to do oh. this. <laughs> and I was like, okay, kids, let's help me stick these things on. <laughs> I'm like, I got to do this. <laughs> but, but I'm like, Hey, I, I, and I really like that stuff. I had a friend who, I mean, here's a little idea. I don't know if you do this, but it was a bridal party. So, and the lady came, she was, she did cement and she did um, tiles for the garden. Mm -hmm. So, but it was with uh, stained glass. You can do anything mm -hmm. and yeah. you put it, she had the uh, forms. And so you make the design of the stained glass on a sticky piece, mm -hmm. sticky um, paper. Yes. And then you put it at the bottom. So it's like the right side up and then you fill it with uh, cement and a frame like um, and some meshing. Mm -hmm. And then you open it up and it and it stays as the gift for the the bride. Oh, wow. Nice. So it was like a bridal party, like say, and it was really cool because it was my friend. And so she has all these little stepping stones in her garden from us oh nice that's so as special. presents and it was that's... like an afternoon thing you know we had wine we had food and mm -hmm. it was um yeah so that was kind of cool yeah um, it was that concept so I don't know if that's we're getting into cement if you get into cement but yeah yeah it's not that big they're just like 12 by 12 mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um that sounds but really it was cool yeah. And I was like, and so I made some forms just like that. And I started doing a couple of my own just for my own garden. I was like, Hey, okay. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Very. Very so nice. I'm like, well, when I, when I have time, that's what I'm going to be doing. There you go. There you <laughs> or maybe go. I'll no. fall into something like you, but <laughs> it, it's so but, meditative. Yeah. That's I, what I love about uh, the mosaics is you just kind of go into a zone and it's and it's it's really relaxing. If if you don't, it it can. If you go too long, you can overdo it. But if you keep it, you know, like no more than like 
maybe four hours a day with some nice breaks in between, then it, it stays fun and doesn't feel like, uh, like, uh, yeah. I know I started Monotonous. collecting all this stuff for my, my husband's oh, like, yeah. okay, you got to start doing something with these. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wouldn't it be great if we mosaic the side of the house, like where it's all cement and then this other orb, but I know like you, it's like, it takes a lot of time. Little pieces. It does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Like, my husband's like, uh-huh. Sure. Sylvie. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> don't worry. I'll uh, do that over the next five years. <laughs> yeah. It's, it can be a long-term project. Yeah. So this is a meet. Where can people find you if they want to yeah, check uh, out your stuff? I have a website called smashingtiles.com. And where else can they find you? Are you on socials as well? Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, smashing tiles is on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. I don't tweet so much, but when I'm, when I'm in the middle of a project, I will uh, make some noise. Yeah. Because it's easier. Yeah. So, oh my gosh. So this has been amazing, man. It's really interesting that, you know, the cycling to what you're doing now and of course, we're all going to be watching the Tool de Feminine. I think that's what it's called this year. Um, just get kickstarted and launching into the future of female cycling because this is going to be exciting this year. It is. Um, it is. So it's super excited to talk to you um, as a past participant and also having all of us cheer on as well as our uh, listeners out there, I'm sure everybody, if because you're on a cycling podcast, I'm sure you're in tune that this is happening, coming down the pipe, and uh, where everybody's ready for um, to get glued to our TVs in June. What's going on? The men to the women, and I'm the like, critics will be coming out of the woodwork, I'm sure. <laughs> So with that, thanks so much, Nan, for uh, making this possible. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank um, you, Sylvia. I've enjoyed it very much. Thanks for having me. Welcome. And thanks to our listeners again. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with someone who you know enjoys cycling. And we'll be watching the Tour de Femme uh, this June. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.